0: You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist History with Commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist History. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Recently, I was speaking with a listener, and he remarked that what surprised him the most so far Was that he didn't know any of the people we've talked about. We've not discussed any of the major Calvinistic Baptist leaders in 17th century England. We will get to them shortly. But I've focused on some lesser known men and women on purpose. Particular Baptist history contains not just a few highly gifted and graced men who excelled in their ministries, it's also made up of tens of thousands. Of the Lord's more ordinary and now forgotten people. I hope the rehearsals of the powerful grace of God in their lives encourages you in yours. Today I want to tell you about the deliverance of a man named John Fry. He was a member of Broadmead in Bristol and, as will become clear, was loved by his fellow believers. When he fell into troubles, They came alongside and cared for him, not in word alone, but in deed. It's an unusual story that played out 350 years ago. So the medical approach to his problems was very different from what we would do today. But I hope that you will be encouraged and strengthened to imitate the spiritual response the congregation made to and for him. Let me read his story from the Broadmead records, and then I'll finish with a few applicatory comments. Upon the 23rd day of this second month, 1673, so this is April of 1673, a sad providence fell out to this congregation, which was this. Our brother, John Fry, a bachelor fell distracted now distracted at this point in history means mad or insane it doesn't mean just temper temporarily um, focusing on something else a bit more pleasant first it came upon him in a way of despairing that he was lost and damned then he broke out in bad language to all the brethren that came near him calling them very bad names and immodest expressions to some women, raving and striking them that came near to hold him, and when they were forced to bind him on his bed, he would spit at some and use such vile and grievous words. It was consternation of spirit to all that knew him, it being so directly opposite and contrary to the whole former frame of his mind." and being thus sorely assaulted and pressed by the devil, as all that beheld and heard him could not otherwise judge, he did also, and this is worse than all, break forth into such dreadful and horrible expressions against the whole deity, at some times with such blasphemous words that it made the hearts of all that heard it to ache, and the hair on their heads, as it were, to stand on end and their spirits to be so pressed thereby, hardly able to contain or to be in the room to hear it, being so astonished at what the Lord had allowed to befall this brother, that had the testimony of all, good and bad, that he had a very lovely, humble conversation, that is, a way of life, and judged that he walked close with God. This was attested by a godly doctor of physic, a member of another congregation in this city that had lived several years tabled in the house with him, having a grave woman as his mother-in-law that kept his house, she being a sister named Fry, in fellowship with us. This doctor, while while he tabled there, observed him all along to be a very sober and practical Christian, reading and praying after the work of his outward calling when his journeymen were departed and his servants had left work, until the tenth or eleventh hour most nights. His distraction broke in upon him the fourth day of the week, called Wednesday, and grew higher and higher into great raging. Physical means were used, but all in vain. Most were persuaded he should be carried into the country for help, but some of the brethren desired the church might seek the Lord by fasting and prayer to the Lord to heal and deliver him. Whereupon, the second day following, being the 28th day of the month, the congregation kept a day of prayer in our brother Fry's house and in the room where he was in the bed bound. But his raging was so great in the beginning of the day that we thought we should not have been able to have continued in the room. Notwithstanding, A brother began the work of the day by him, that is, he began praying, and the day was by the Lord's assistance carried on, and a gracious answer of prayer was given by the Lord, as we did seem to apprehend, insomuch that the spirit of rage left him in a great measure. It ceased by the evening of that day before we parted from him, praise only to the Lord." Upon that seven night, being the fifth day of the third month following, the church came together again into the same place and kept another day of prayer to the Lord for him. For although the Lord did so graciously answer the church's former prayers, that in a great measure the spirit of raging left him, yet a spirit of fear remained in him. But on this day also the Lord did mercifully incline toward us and gave a gracious answer to his people seeking him in his own way, so that very observably the spirit of fear left him, that he was not so much in horror and frightful apprehensions as he had been, and means were used physically for his recovery as bloodletting, purging, and leeching to draw the distemper from his head, according to our prayers that if the Lord pleased to have us use outward means that he would direct to it and bless the means, which he compassionately answered." But when he began to come to himself, and his poor thin body that had been plucked down began to receive some refreshment, we had great fears his distemper would come on him again with its former violence. For though those his fits ceased for above a month, yet he could not arrive to get any comfort or faith, and could hardly be prevailed with to go to prayer himself. He lay under such despairing thoughts still that it was all in vain. No promise belonged to him, no consolation for him, etc. But he lay under reflection upon himself what a wretch he was for what he had in or by fits uttered against the Lord, by which we perceived he remembered much, if not all, so that he was filled with such shame that he would hide his face from every one that came to see him, or hang down his head or not speak. He was so filled with a spirit of shame, after the spirit of rage and spirit of fear had left him, that they could not yet prevail with him to go but to a near neighbor, nor hardly to see a person that came in. Therefore, the church appointed another day of prayer for him. And so came together again upon the ninth day of the fourth month following the year 1673 at his house to seek the Lord, as it were to perfect the work of his recovery, to take the spirit of shame from him, that he might go about his lawful calling forth of doors. To which the Lord gave a gracious answer of prayer also, to admiration. For the very next day after this, he was emboldened to go forth about his business in the city, as he did formerly. Yea, he went from house to house, about his occasions, to his customers for the space of four or five hours, and returned. Thus the Lord cast, as it were, three spirits visible to be seen out of him, that is, a spirit of uncleanness for rage and blasphemy. Secondly, a spirit of horror and fear. And thirdly, a spirit of shame and, as it were, dumbness. Oh, the condescension, mercy, grace, favor, and faithfulness of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he should answer prayer and hear such poor, vile, and unworthy ones as we were. Oh, nothing in us, nothing in us. Not for our sakes, did he this wonderful thing in our day, but for his own name's sake? Having engaged himself to do for us whatever we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Laus Deo, praise the Lord, Sola Deo Gloria, who to this day, near three years since he recovered, the Lord has kept him in his former gracious frame of spirit, and he usually exercises in prayer. In the congregation on fast days as formerly and has been very well ever since in his body magnified be the lord notice several things first they did not claim to fully understand what was happening they didn't pronounce it only a bodily or physical trouble nor did they say it was purely spiritual They knew God had brought it, notice they called this a providence, but they used various means to try and help their brother get better. Secondly, they didn't immediately discipline him from the church. Their fundamental response to him was one of love and hopefulness. They didn't discount his years of consistent Christian testimony because of this strange incident and they were willing to forgive the personally offensive and sinful things he said about them and to them and their God. Third, they took seriously the concerted efforts of prayer for his recovery. They tried many things, but most importantly, they pursued fasting and congregational prayer. The fervent prayers of the righteous were diligently used. They spent three whole days in prayer rescuing their brother. Not just a few quick words, not just a few times, for a few minutes. They did not abandon him, but in his very presence called upon God to heal him. Surely this example should help us to not be shy in prayer and hope and love. For our fellow members when troubles overwhelm them. Thank you for listening today. Remember, if you have a question about 17th century particular Baptists that you'd like answered, send it to info at cbtseminary.org by October 16. We'll choose one, and if yours is selected, you'll win a copy of Dr. Tom Nettles' The Baptists, Volume 1. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace.